Our sermon text today comes from Paul's letter to Galatians, here now, again, the third chapter. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian, for in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Greek or Jew, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Thoughts and prayers. I have heard this a lot in the last week. In the wake of yet another mass shooting, I am instructed by my national leaders to offer my thoughts and prayers. I woke up last Sunday morning, and every time I tried to do like the most basic thing, I mean, hygiene, to dress myself, to turn the air conditioning on. I kept getting distracted with the news of the shooting at Pulse, an LGBT nightclub in Orlando that left 49 people dead and at least 50 more hurt. Thoughts and prayers, senseless acts of violence, pray for the families of faith. Now is not the time to politicize blah, blah, blah. In so many instances, Our national leaders simply refused to address the fact that most of those who were killed identified as gay. And apparently, that was not in their thoughts and prayers. These were just faceless people whose death served a purpose to put a stamp on morality that they can package to voters. In Charleston last year, I was asked to give my thoughts and prayers to the nine people who died and is shooting at Mother at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church. It was continually lifted up by my national leaders that this happened in a church, and why, oh why, did it have to happen in a church? It must mean that Christians are persecuted. There is little mention of the shooter or his motivations. Talking heads in the media were apparently confounded by the fact that a white man saying to black people, you're taking our country and you have to go, could indicate that this man was maybe possibly just a little motivated by racism in what he was doing. No, couldn't talk about that. Thoughts and prayers. Now, just imagine for a second if I did this as a pastor. Let's say one of our own dies in a horrible way. And instead of acknowledging the gravitas of the situation, I command you to offer your thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers are fine. They have their place. But we also would want to know about the person who died and why they were so loved and what happened to them. And if I just stonewalled you and said, nope, that's all you're getting, thoughts and prayers, you're not allowed to know anything more than you already do, I'd be a lousy pastor. Christianity first grew not because of the military might of the people who practiced it. 
didn't grow because its members were rich. It certainly didn't grow because it curried any favor with the Roman Empire, and it definitely didn't grow because of thoughts and prayers. Christianity grew because it reached out to those on the margins of society, slaves, widows, and orphans. People who had no agency in the world at that time could find solace and safety in the arms of the body of Christ. And it's not because their status was ignored, far from it. Rather, it's because they had access to a God who indeed identified with them. For the Son of God that we worship lived an impoverished existence on the margins of first century Israel. He was not just another person. In fact, he reveled in his identity by being close to those who were like him. Thus, when Jesus would preach a message of love for thy neighbor, he could say it with sincerity because he knew full well who his neighbor was. Now, you might be hearing all this and assume that I don't care for today's Galatian text. But that's not true. I think this Galatians text is a benchmark one in all of Scripture. It should stand out, and I think it should be written on the doorpost of every church building from here to China. Yet if you read it on first blush, it might seem to contradict all the buildup that I've had for this sermon. Looking at it in the abstract, there is no Greek or Jew, slave or free, male and female in Christ. So if Paul is saying identities are meaningless, then why should I be making a big deal about them? This is why I talk to you about the context of the Galatians letter. The genius of this text is not the erasing of people's identities, rather it is the validating of them. Galatians was written to a group of Jewish people who are trying to get Gentiles to conform to their beliefs. This is no different than Lutherans wondering why Catholics or others don't believe what we believe. We have the perfect interpretation of scripture, right? We have justification. Every first Sunday we have snacks after worship. Why would you not want to believe what Salem believes? Instead, Galatians teaches us that getting people to assimilate into one homogenous group is a very bad thing, even when it comes to church. Paul, at his most strident, chastises the audience for their short-sightedness in trying to get others to practice specifically what they practice. And then he drops these verses right here in chapter 3. They're not intended to erase identities, quite the opposite. They're intended to validate them by saying that God does not discriminate, God realizes, but does not discriminate, the way that we do. By saying that in Christ there is no Greek or Jew, man and woman, God is breaking any potential for a hierarchy that's based on unearned merit. God is telling the Jewish listeners that they are not superior, and the Gentiles are not superior to them, but all of us are in this together. So this is really good stuff, to be sure. But then the question becomes for us, do we live it? And more importantly, how do we live it? Because I woke up to this morning to the ELCA, and by extension, a country that is still segregated. If we are all indeed equals and identity doesn't matter, why is it so difficult to deny the sexuality and ethnicity of those killed in Orlando, the race of those killed in Charleston, 
The race of those who are often killed on the streets of Baltimore, which we decry as business as usual. No, God has created all of us in God's image. And that image is so many things. But when we try to force everyone to conform to one pattern, to one specific identity, it is then that we violate this very basic and beautiful principle of God. Jesus will not welcome you on the last day as a colorless, androgynous being. I mean, just consider the resurrection appearances of Jesus. Do they see him? Do they see his person? Do they see his skin, his hair? Of course they did. Jesus was resurrected in his own physical Jewish sunburnt body. And you will be resurrected in your own, as men or women, as white or black or Hispanic, as any way you identify, because that is how God created you. And your person is a beautiful thing. The creation of yourself, from hair to skin color to gender to orientation, was very much intentional. No one should deny what makes you unique if God does not. And on another level, you should not deny what makes someone else unique because God does not. And the beauty of this church and the beauty of this text is that there is adequate room for everyone. And there is room for many practices. The ELCA is trying to make a conscious effort to acknowledge our familiar Scandinavian roots while at the same time distancing ourselves for making them into our primary image. And even within the ELCA's presence in South Baltimore, we worship quite differently from Christ in our harbor, and we worship quite differently from St. Stephen and James on Hanover Street, and we worship quite differently from St. John's in Brooklyn, and that's okay. It is a blessing to have so many different expressions of our faith. And for you in the congregation today, whether you've worshipped at Salem most or all of your life, or have been here for just a few months, or are just visiting along the way, your expressions of faith are legitimate as well. There is no primary identity. We are all one as Christ's baptized, beautiful, beloved children. So as we are sent out to be church in the world, let us go forth with the understanding that we are all Christ's beloved. Thoughts and prayers are fine and they have their place, but words and actions inspired by the Holy Spirit will help us to have a truly unified, non-conforming, equitable church. May the risen Christ, who never seeks to erase your identity, only to accept you as you are, be with you and bless you always. Amen. There's a correction of the hymn.